tree was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to Welcome back listeners to the Campbell's Footballs Podcast. Now I'm joined for this episode by a fellow Aberdeen fan, um, the maestro of the Telegraph, JJ Bull is joining me tonight. JJ, massive welcome to you. Hello, maestro is a strong word, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice to chat to a fellow Aberdonian. How are you keeping JJ? It's been a weird year, shall we say. Uh, yeah, it's been very different. I mean, I quite—I don't, I don't mind being on my own in a house, to be honest. Uh, I like working from home, so that's fine. I'm seeing a lot of people have suffered with it. It's been quite difficult for a lot of people, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. Obviously, there's bad parts to it. I mean, it's often not be able to go anywhere, or be able to go and see your folks up in Aberdeen or something like that. But uh, yeah. That's okay. How is how is everything with you yourself? Yeah, it's it's been very strange here in the northeast of Scotland, but uh, yeah, we're just keeping fine. It's it's one of these things you just had to kind of take the rough with the smooth, and hopefully we're heading towards the the smooth side coming out of this pandemic. What's really interesting, JJ, for for those who maybe don't are not aware of that, listening to this the show on a regular basis, uh, JJ is a fellow northeaster like myself, but he uh, now resides in London, don't you? Yeah. In a lovely Hackney, lovely stabby Hackney, <laughs> but it costs too much to a house, but the threat's always there. It's, uh, yeah, it's nice. Um, I, yeah, London's great. I'm from old Belgium originally. Yeah. Uh, so, Aberdeenshire, but I went to uni and I really spread my wings. I went to university in the city. Yeah, absolutely. And and for, for those who don't know, JJ resides in the same place as my grandparents stay, which is fantastic. And my mum was born and bred in Old Meldrum as well. So a big shout out to everybody who lives in Old Meldrum. Some cracking places, JJ. Notably, of course, Jock's Bar and the wonderful Glengarry Distillery where my late grandfather used to work. Is that right? Yep. That's my favourite whiskey, Glengarry. Yeah. I used, I used to work in Jock's. Did you? Mm-hmm. What a place. Enough, enough room to just about swing a cat in there. Yeah, it's very small. It's a listed building, so they can't um, make it larger. That's why it's so yeah. small. The, the ceiling, yeah. It's a, it's a really classy place. So, so what this, what did made you move away from the wonderful delights of the northeast of Scotland to, to, to London? Why did you want to leave the, the beautiful world of Old Meldrum? <laughs> achieve things. I think if you live in Aberdeen it tends to be that you work in oil or retail or uh, you know lots of other industries but those are the main ones that my friends certainly do. Fair um, enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know everyone's different. Everyone has things they want to do. I really, I was really ambitious. Not to say you're not ambitious in other industries but I want to do things you have to be in London for. Um, I tried living in Glasgow for a bit. It didn't suit me. Uh, and London's great. I mean, it's got my, my my family. Like my parents are originally from London, so it didn't feel like a big, uh, big of a thing really. Because I, I, it's not that I know it, but it's just there's some sort of familiarity with it. But anyway, I moved in basically for work. Yeah, I was desperate to try and be a TV writer. That was yes. my that's my plan. <laughs> oh, it may still be in the future. You just never know. It. It's certainly a very interesting career, which I'm sure we'll delve into in a short while. JJ, it's brilliant to have you on the show. As I said, it's great to chat to a fellow Aberdeen fan like myself. My first question, I always like to ask my guests, is what made you want to go into the world of football as your sort of role of life from the beginning? Um, I think it's. What's your? I mean, I always really wanted to. How do, you, how do you word this without it being like my dream? Um, like it seems so. The people who work in football it doesn't seem like a job people can do. You know, the people who work at Telegraph to me were these kind of fabled, 
don't know. Heavy, heavy thinkers was the word phrase I'd use. <laughs> Heavy thinkers, yeah, I don't know, there's people who work for papers that you just never meet them, because when you grow up in a little village in Aberdeenshire, you don't know who these people are. Yeah. You know, even the press and journal seems like, uh, I'll never get a job there, how am I going to get into journalism, that kind of thing. But uh, I don't think I really considered it a serious thing I could possibly ever do until, I don't know, I started a website called Fitbit that, but, and I did a YouTube with it, and that was when I was at uni, and it just slowly sort of started to realise that I'd like to do that as a job, and then... I don't know, I always, I love playing football, I always love football, I love playing it, I was always really bad when I was growing up, I was probably my best when I was at uni, uh, I know a lot of stuff, if I had my head of football now, and my body of the university age, maybe I'd be an alright player, but I'm not. So. Whereabouts where did you see yourself, JJ, a centre mid, a, a defender, right up front? Well, when I was younger, I was always a striker, but then uh, through uni, I'd be a left, left forward. Depends on the system. Do you know, I don't like 4 4 2. You play as a winger, you play as an inverted winger because I'm right footed, so you come in there. But uh, I'd like to play as a left sided on a 4 uh, 2 3 one. But at the moment, as is inevitable, I'm in mid 30s now, so uh, I'm a centre mid. But that's where, like, you see the game from centre mid. Yeah. You know, 11 sides different. I play a lot of fives and sevens. It's yeah. very different. So yeah. midfield there. Yeah. Do you still play fives and sevens down in, down in London Way? Yeah, all the time. I play at least once a week, twice ideally. Um, I love play. I Honestly, I play all day, every day if I could, honestly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love it. Fantastic. And in terms of inspirations and idols, I mean, as a fellow Aberdeen fan, you must have some great inspirations from your youth. I say young youth, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, in terms of writing, or um, both. I mean, I don't know. I always, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what the inspirations really were. It's just different. I mean, you go through phases where you like different things. I mean, I was, I, I'm a musician as well, so I used yeah. to be on tour with the band. I've written a lot of songs and had them on movies and things like that. Um, so there's different stages over my career where I mean it's all all culminated so I was big into music big into film uh, and TV and writing I've been basically anything creative I like doing like I'm making a cartoon strip just now which will yeah, be next year I've seen that on Instagram it's very funny I've been keeping an oh. eye on that thanks really. man well there's a whole like comic strip I'm trying to just develop just now so I'll do that uh, next year hopefully but that's like the last thing I haven't really done I wanted to make a 20 minute I wanted to make a South Park Simpsons episode I always wanted to write for the Simpsons that was a dream I love I love like Trey Parker at South Park all those kind of things and then so you, know, you take influences from things like comedies, like uh, I mean Blackadder and South Park and The Simpsons and uh, The Office, the US one now. Um, but then football writing, I don't think there was ever really a writer you'd look at. I really liked reading, and I got big into all the kind of tactics nerd stuff with Jonathan Wilson's book, you know, the, the Bible mm -hmm. of tactics. I think everyone referred to it, and then. Uh, like uh, Coxie, uh, Michael, Michael Cox, Cox is yeah. the, is unbelievable with some of his stuff. Absolutely yeah, unbelievable. He, well, he was doing the blog, so I used to like using his to read his blog when he did that um, zonal marking, and he used to come out with uh, the formation graphs and stuff. And that was part of like uh, it's how could you just describe it? I think it sounds arrogant. Well, not arrogant when you talk about yourself, but you know, it's I always thought about, about football a little bit differently. I thought to most people that I was speaking with, even in pubs. I always thought I saw things slightly differently. They'd always say this was rubbish or that was great and I think it was the opposite. Or I'd say you can't say they've dominated, because they won 3-0, they had actually dominated that game, it was lucky. Just little things behind the scenes. Yeah. I think it's I was so bad at football I had to learn how to be better uh, with my head 
the, my feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, really, I really think it's that. Yeah. And also, yeah. uh, you're actually doing, doing film, and uh, like English, uh, um, uh, higher or uh, uni, whatever, you know. So English and, and film I did at uni. And so you learn to analyse things like the bit behind it. So what you see is yes. one thing, but the bit behind it, I think, is fascinating and how you get there. Like, you can interpret it in different ways. Is that what the director wanted? Is that what the manager wanted? You, have, mm-hmm. you can see it in a certain way, and maybe you're seeing something that isn't really there. But I like that. I like the discourse and the discussion of it. Yeah, no, that's really interesting to see that. And I love the variety of interests that sort of connect your uh, your way of working, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Let's talk about you, JG, as an Aberdeen fan. I mean, what was your first experiences of going to watch Aberdeen at Pataudry? Uh, I think the first game I went to Salt Pataudry, in fact I know the first game of Pataudry, was um, the first game I saw Pataudry was I went to see Aberdeen versus Rangers Reserves. <laughs> <laughs> what a game. And the thing I remember most about it was because um, uh, we're with the main stand and it's me and my dad and my pal. Who was I with? I don't remember. I can't remember who I was with actually now I'm thinking about it. But my dad definitely. Went down the, the the front where the kids always go at the main stand, and because it's the reserves, it's kind of empty, you see. And uh, I remember one of the Rangers players uh, thought he'd want to throw in, it was given the other way, and he threw the ball on the ground in, in anger, and he was booked for it. <laughs> and I was right next to him going like, Way! <laughs> like a 10, 11 year old. And it must be so annoying. Like, you're trying to make your career as a professional, you're not quite getting there, you have to play a reserve game at Pataudry in the cold at night. And there's some kids going, Wah! you don't want to throw it. Something really funny about that. Yeah. But yeah, that, I had a season ticket for years. I used to go with my dad all the time. From ages, like, I stopped playing football. When I was starting to get half decent at football, I was about 14. Then my dad bought a season ticket. So I just went to Pataudry every week instead. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I, and I got rubbish at football. So were you always in the main stand at Pataudry? Is that no, your usual site? No? My season ticket was Merkland. Uh, I think it was, oh, what seat was it? I I used to go for for many years and sit in the side stand, and then I switched to sit in the Richard Donald stand. You get you get so many different views of the game at Pataudry. There's so many great views you can watch. I mean, I like to sit around about the halfway line so I can see yeah. what's going on. But what I really like about the Richard Donald stand is the upper deck. You can really see a nice sort of vertical kind of head to head view of what you're seeing across the pitch. I can't uh, like that view. Y- you see, like. <laughs> That is useful if you're trying to analyse it, but if you're there as a fan, I want to be a bit closer to it. I think I like yeah. the halfway as well. The south stands, I always would go to the south stand, I think, when I go to the games. Main stand is, you've got those pillars in the way, but it is nice. <laughs> I remember one game I was sitting with the pillars. I think it was Aberdeen against Dunfermline. My, my dad and I were at the game, and of course, it was, it was actually a reasonably well-attended fixture, of course. Where did our tickets sit? Right behind these fucking things. I was like, I can't see anything here. We couldn't move or anything. I was like, oh, jeez. And I think Aberdeen won that game 3-1. I'm pretty sure that was early 2000s. I remember that much. That was uh, that was something else. But growing up, JJ, I mean, some great Aberdeen players over the years you've seen live. Who were your favourites? Uh, Ian Jess. I used to love Ian Jess. Of course. I mean, you can't. He's one of the most naturally gifted footballers I think I've ever seen play at Pataudry. Uh, uh, different. You haven't asked me this, but I'd say Henry Larson is probably the best player I've ever seen play at Pataudry, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Aberdeen players, though, I, I remember when Darren Mackey came through and I loved it. Because I thought, here's the boy, because uh, I think he's from Kemney. He's, he played, yeah, for, Colney. So. He's played mm-hmm. for Colney Park, I think, yeah. um, growing up. And he gave me a medal once. Because uh, you know when you're 14 and he's 18? Yeah. There's a big difference. 
<laughs> to you as a 14 year old but, uh, I remember that, uh, Darren Mackey was a great player when he was young coming through it was exciting that's my first player I saw coming through first hand and you see how they develop and what they turn into and I remember Roberto Bisconti so yes. there for about half a season he's <laughs> one of the best players I've ever seen play for Aberdeen he was magic he was a level above everyone else yeah, and he yeah. just went who else was good? One, of the, one, of, one of the first strips I ever had with, with for an Aberdeen shirt, I had Adel Stavram on the back. Uh, oh, I thought yeah. he was an unbelievable player back in the day. He would either score or get caught offside. He was either one Off or the other. And I, don't, I wonder whether it's because he was, he was such a poacher, he was playing on the shoulder, or whether the referees were getting it wrong, because you know, you to get your timing right. But he was offside, so often, remember that. Yeah, same team as Robbie Winters, he was a good player. Yeah, apparently uh, Stavrum, apparently Stavrum liked tonight out, apparently. <laughs> a lot of them did. <laughs> Especially under the, the dearly Evi Skodal era. I know I heard your very moving piece on Totally Scottish People's Show, which we'll come on to in a minute, because Skodal was, was someone else, wasn't he? Scoftal, uh, we weren't very good under Scoftal. Uh, but then uh, it was another interesting thing about Scoftal. I thought was everyone was talking about the Brondby way and how he was trying to play the four three three Ajax like Cruyff system, bring that through and did not work. And you think is it the tactical system or is it the players? It's and I always um, have enjoyed that debate whether you know what it is. Scoftal was um, I don't know. Like, I, I talked to David Priest about him. He tells some stories. Mm-hmm. You can get him on your show. I did. So I did. I've spoken to David. Mm-hmm. He's someone else. Oh, I always remember the, the, the corner kicks especially. They were doing this sort of figure of eight behind the 18-yard box and they would wander their way into the box before the corners was taken. It was really, really bizarre, but it you worked at times. Yeah, you got to innovate. There must be new ways to find things. Like people have made fun of that uh, Liverpool for hiring a throw-in coach because they thought he was literally trying to teach them how to hurl things. Mm-hmm. Like, so much you can gain. There's minimal, minimal gains and it's good to have your mind open to it, I think. Yeah. And there's a few of them that Aberdeen have tried a couple of them like even in the uh, what was it in the, the semi-final before uh, the Cup Winners Cup who was it was it Bayern no and there was a free kick we had to come back I think we were 2-0 down or something and they came back and one of them was a, a pretend free kick we're mm-hmm. that's right you can't remember you know the pretend that's, that's innovating again let's just think coming up with something on the fly other teams have tried that since I don't know if anyone has seen it before but well, Rory Delap was always the master of the long throws at Stoke City I think that's a cannon that's just catapults <laughs> Brilliant. In terms of being an Aberdeen fan, JJ, did you go to away games as a as a fan growing up? As well as the games of Tilbury? No. I don't mean any away away games actually. Weirdly, I don't know why. My friends have all been. I think they had a bit more money than I did when I was at uni. So they (laughs) were like neither. But they were all going to like my best pals were going to to Athens and Madrid. You remember the Calderwood years with all that, all the fun. I missed all of it because I had no money and um, yeah but oh, it sounded great I mean I've been to the, a lot of cups and finals and finals a lot of them mm-hmm. but never to away game as a fan yeah the Calderwood years were, were something special as well I mean that UEFA cup run especially was something to behold yeah oh, for sure yeah. I, mean, I, I remember Jamie Smith's goal so oh. well I still think that's the best goal ever scored at Pataudry in a big game like that I mean, I mean Madison's free kick is pretty close against Rangers but that for me is my yeah, best yeah. goal even and the, what the great thing about the Madison goal was it wasn't a free kick in the first place, which makes it even more severe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all Rangers fans who are tuning into this and just immediately switching off as they heard me talk about that for the five thousandth time. Um, JJ, let's move on to talking about your uh, work with the Telegraph. Um, how did that come about? Uh, I think the short answer is a lot and lot and lot of work, which gives you a bit of luck. Um, 
kind of long-winded, so I worked for um, a certain computer fruit-related company in Aberdeen, and I, that's what helped me move down to London while I was trying to pursue uh, getting into TV writing, because um, I had a successful YouTube, like all kind of funny daft cartoons and songs and uh, stuff like that, and, uh, and a blog went along with it. I ended up getting asked to write for BT Sport as a comedy writer on their new show, when the, when the channel just launched, so I was there for the start of BT Sport. I was there when it like was first broadcast live on air. It was really cool. It was really cool actually. And then um, did a year of that on um, a show called Life's the Pitch. Des Kelly was the host. Yes, I think I remember this. Yes, Des Kelly's a great presenter as well. Actually, a really good reporter as well. Yeah, he's a good. Yeah, he's a yeah yeah. I mean the way he told, I mean the way he backed himself up against Klopp recently is a is a quite a good example. Well, he. he, he that's the thing like he's an old school reporter he's very old Fleet Street um, yeah yeah so I mean, he knows what he's doing I, th- I think he's well he's done a good job to the BT Sport but they had him on a different kind of uh, deal I think when I was there but he was yeah they had a show I'm not sure it went how he wanted it to anyway going from there I saw a job come up on the Telegraph thought it was probably a good idea for me to go because I'd gone from being uh, a writer slash runner slash junior producer. I was basically in a production. Well, I was basically a junior production for for those of it. And then uh, yeah, I got a job at Telegraph. The thing called Project Bab, mm-hmm. which was a thing that if the World Cup, we did a lot of weird. That was quite innovative. We did a lot of weird things. Like I did a lot of drawing and doing cartoons and um, just coming up with. There was like a trend for a while where all newspapers were trying to talk to the youth and be all snazzy and down with the internet lingo so that's where they hired a bunch of us uh, <laughs> late 20s guys so it's me and football cliches you know him yep yep Adam, Adam, Adam Hurry isn't it yep yeah he's, he's brilliant yeah. uh, him and Darren Richmond who is a phenomenal comedy writer as well and we all got hired to do that and then at the end uh, there was only one job made available at the end of the year which is very stressful and I managed to get that I was very lucky and then um the other guys, I mean, their careers have worked out very well, so it's, it's all good in the end. And then that's me. I've been staff writer at the Telegraph since 2014, no, 2015. 2015. Yeah, well, it's a fantastic spell you've been working at that, JJ. And I, I read your columns uh, when they come out, and they're really, really insightful. And I think a lot of people Thank need you. to understand that the tactical analysis more and more is becoming a huge thing in football, isn't it? Uh, it's everywhere now. Um, which is maybe a good thing. I don't know. There's a lot of bad analysis, which I, which I see. Which is there's this thing with having like open access to everyone with the internet. So it, without it, I wouldn't be where I am. So you wouldn't be able to get a chance to do YouTube videos and all that kind of free blogging and stuff. Um, and everyone gets a voice, but sometimes the loudest people shout, or they are the ones that you hear and see. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Uh, uh, I don't, what am I trying to say here? I don't know. <laughs> No, but I think I think you look at people like yourself and people like Michael Cox, and then you have the statistical guys like Duncan Alexander who I've had on the show, and they marry quite well together. And I think you need that sort of grinding to get a better understanding of instances that are happening in all kinds of football. Well, I, want, I always want something new. I get bored of things very quickly, and uh, I, I think like th- that style of doing the screen grabs. I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure we the Telegraph, we're the first people who did that for football. I didn't see that in any other websites at all. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Coxie was doing, uh, he had a formation graphic, which yeah. is cool. We never did screen grabs. And uh, me and Tom Gibbs um, decided we'd do it based off this guy called Charlie Morgan who writes for the Telegraph. He's, rugby, he's, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. We basically ripped him off. He did it for rugby with the screen grabs and gifts and that. We did that for the World Day when Brazil get done in by Germany 
seven one. Yeah. And we, we did a whole dissection of that, and that became kind of the template for it. And so we did a few more of those going forward because I really like that. It's the kind of thing I want to do, and you can just strip it apart and, the, and tactics, mm-hmm. which all comes from Football Manager knowledge, basically. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. all Football Manager. And, 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 uh, and let, let, let's 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 talk let's talk about Football Manager because throughout this pandemic, but also probably I'm sure from from quite a bit past, you have made Aberdeen an an absolute powerhouse. Uh, Can you give us some tips? Nine, <laughs> football, football manager 19, they won the Champions League three times. No cheating involved, I have to, I have to express. Uh, it's really, I mean, it's really fun. Uh, without football manager, I genuinely wouldn't have my job. I wouldn't be into football <laughs> so much. Cause I, I think video games are part and parcel of football now. Like you can yeah. enjoy the, the live product bit. I was just playing Pro Evo earlier today. Mm-hmm. It's good we learning the players. Well, people like Guy Mowbray, who I've had on the show, they they he plays FIFA now and again if he hasn't commentated on a team for a while to, to see who's who the players are and how they're best positioned. And that's, again, another development of where football is moving. Yeah, I use that and I use um, Football Manager. I have it open all the time. So I, refer, I use it as reference point. So if I see a player's going somewhere, like who the hell is that? I can work out who he is very quickly from Football Manager. I can see what Pro Evo and FIFA say about him. Then you go and Y Scout and you check him out. It's all, I mean, because like, clubs really use the Football Manager database. It's so heavily scouted. I, I did an interview with um, uh, Stephen Davidson, who's the, one, he was one of the main head scouts. Now he's now he's in charge of design, I think. Um, Stephen's another very talented man. And uh, it's, I wrote about it, it's on the Telegraph, about how they do the scouting, what the, what the factors are behind it. And it's so legit. And it's, uh, I, yeah, I mean, you look at some clubs, some of them definitely use it. Spurs definitely did for a while. Yeah. RB Leipzig. I mean, that's that's just football manager. Yeah. By never name. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, I mean, it's a really good concept, and and, and as you say, and a lot of clubs are developing that. And I remember Ian Cathro at Hearts. I always wondered if he was going to be one of the first people to do it. He was definitely playing it. I, I he had to only, be surely. He maybe knew what he's doing. There's a lot of problem with perception in football and how people look and what you think they're like. They don't look a certain way or act a certain way. I think there's a lot of machism. Uh, machoism, I should say. Like, uh, you look at Man United just now. I think a lot of people are convinced Solskjaer is not a very good manager, and I honestly am convinced it's because of how he looks and how he acts, mm. not because of what he knows or what he shows. Sure enough, he's tinkering and changing, but he's trying to get a team together. He's got a lot of problems to deal with. Ian Cathero's first job as a full-time manager. He's such a highly rated coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was at Newcastle. He was at uh, Rio Ave. I think it was before. I think so. That's he right. Worked, with Nuno Espirito Santo like who then took him to Wolves that's how highly he thought of him look how well Wolves are playing look how much better players get at Wolves yeah. he's first team coach mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing it's different to being a manager but that might just come with time and it seems like he's had a really bad time at Hearts but look at the boys who failed at Hearts it's, a, it's an impossible job you need about well, Craig Levine years. failed twice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and I'm not smiling to say that I feel sorry for Craig it's just you know that's just a fact he, he didn't succeed at Hearts <laughs> yeah well, that's, I mean, that is true, but I think, I don't know who anyone, I'll see how Robbie Nielsen gets on now, but, I mean, it's just so complicated trying to, what makes a good team and what makes a good club, and it's all, Derek McKinnon said to me once that what you see in the pitch is often what you see at the top, so the top's stable and there's a good plan, that's what you see on the pitch, mm-hmm. which that was why Aberdeen's kind of where they are, good planning, sensible, ambitious, but yet sensible, and then you look at Hearts, don't know what the hell's going on. It's like the top gear, ambitious but rubbish. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> you said just now that you'd spoke with Derek McInnes. What's he like to speak with? Because he seems like a guy who you know has done fairly well with Aberdeen. They, they've won a league cup. You know, they're consistently European places every season. Where is where is a fan? Do you sit with Aberdeen these days as a club? Because I've had a lot of Aberdeen fans in my circle saying we've done okay, but we should be doing better. What do you, what do you think? I'm not trying to sit in the fence I just think it's so complicated Mm -hmm. I think I don't think there are many uh, at Aberdeen's level I don't think there are any better motivators or or managers available Mm -hmm. and that the tactical part is different to the coaching part it's different to assembling let's say to build a good team I think recruitment is the most important thing and that depends on many factors like how appealing you are to a player and the situation your team is in the situation your club is in how much money you've got what your likelihood for success is Uh, as is common across all of Europe Italy, Germany, Spain um, I mean Portugal, Austria, everywhere's the same. The same team or teams to them win everything. Because money has filtered in and ruined it and there's just no getting away from it. The only way you're going to come up into the big leagues is if you invest the money. Like People talk about Eddie Howe being a great manager. I'm sure he's a good coach. But Bournemouth flipped the leagues because they had loads of money. And the the economics of it, the team who paid the highest wages Mm -hmm. tends to win. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, you ever read that Soccernomics book before? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. So that, I love that bit, and I thought that was so true. And it, was like, it makes sense to what I was thinking. But the, you have that, you pay the most money, you get the better players. But folks say, ah, but you should be beating Rangers or Celtic in a one-off game. So, but you shouldn't, because you look at it the other way around. Like Celtic, it's, it's been called an embarrassment, a humiliation, because they've lost to Ross County once. Like, mm-hmm. come off it, lads. Exactly. It, it, it happens, right? Celtic are not doing very well just now. The Rangers are doing very well just now. Aberdeen are doing absolutely fine. Yes, I think we should have beaten St Mirren, mm-hmm. but there are external factors. There absolutely. are, like, I think when you, like, any team in the world, you look at the English FA Cup and you have a team playing Man City or Liverpool and they'll get a result out of them. Shrewsbury versus Liverpool, something like that, right? They'll yeah. get a result. Well, we can beat City all those years ago, remember, the, in the Cup final. Exactly, and are they a better team? No. And will they do it again? No. Once every 20, 30 games you get a shock result like yeah. that, that's why football's great, because it happens sometimes. But you need the other team to have an off day, you have to get your tactics right, which are always the same in these games, always the same. Low block, sit deep, nice and compact, get stuck into them, hit the counter, break, score, defend. That's, that's how you do it, there's no secret. There's only so many formations you can play, there are only so many different systems that exist in the world. I think there are probably better managers than McInnes out there, generally. I yeah. mean... I think Stephen Robinson is a great, a great coach, and I like the way his teams play football. So do I. But, but hey, look what happened to Motherwell. As soon as he started making them more progressive and open them up, they started getting done, and now they're back to being a bit more like they were before. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they played, they got done by Hibs the weekend. Hibs were the ones who played them in the counter, four four two, or four two three one. You could argue. Let's not get into the semantics of it, the numbers. But it, that was the system. One was designed to contain, counter, and impress when they could. Motherwell was trying to be more expansive, but they played with three central strikers up top going in the wide areas, maybe the half spaces, which means your fullbacks have to go forward and get in the wide areas, but you couldn't do it because of the way Hibs played, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So you might as well play the way that Aberdeen play, grind out results, and it's, it's the thing is... It's this fine line, isn't it? It's this fine line, isn't it? Because you want to get results, but you also want to play a nice brand of football at the same time. Sometimes you have to kind of take one course over the other. It's entirely dependent on the opposition. I mean... One of the things I think McInnes is most frustrated about is that people lay into him for not 
having a go mm. uh, I'm doing but no, this, is visu- this is not visual format is it so uh, doing my little bunny fingers yeah ha- having a go at Celtic Rangers because you can't like what teams have a go at them they get done every single time exactly. Livingston beat them not by having a go Livingston beat them that one time because they were down to 10 men for a start right so that's mm-hmm. how that's you do that that's yeah. good and that's, that changes the game but also they had a they took advantage of just one mistake maybe two Mm-hmm. And that's how you get in and you defend and if you're to set up well. Like the players players always talk really highly of McInnes because he brings in a certain kind. I don't think McInnes would be I don't think he would from the person I've talked to him a couple of times, maybe three times, and I don't think he'd be that into like the Cruyff mm. way of playing. Mm. Or I don't think he would have studied Saki, yeah. for example, right? Yeah. But you don't have to. There's not one way of playing football, there's no. all different ways. Exactly. So Alex Ferguson was not a master tactician. He knew how he wanted to play and he told his coaches how to do it. I spoke to Rennie Mullenstein for an interview this year. And Mullenstein said he got given a blueprint of how Ferguson wanted Manchester United to play. He says, you know, he wants to be certain things. He wants to be fast. They want to be able to press high when they want to, but drop back when they need to. They need to be quick on the counter-attack. They need to be able to press in certain ways. Got to be able to keep the ball. Got to be able to know how to play in all different styles, different systems. It's the same principles. So that your game plan is different to your tactics, which is different to your principles. Yeah. And a lot of people get these confused, but I'm talking about these bad um, <laughs> tacticians you get on bloggers. A lot of them is really good, but there's a lot it's just nonsense. And uh, you have to take into account, like, you're, you can only do what you're given. You can only do things with what you're given. And McInnes has put a squad together there now, which I think should play more entertaining football. Mm-hmm. I would like to see it more entertaining. Like, well, I've, I've personally so. really enjoyed Ryan Hedges this season. I think he's been outstanding. Right, but then is that McInnes making him play that way? Or is that because Hedges has suddenly got a rocket up the arse and gone thinking, oh Christ, I'm in the middle of my career. If I don't make it happen now, it is not going to happen. It's the player. Yeah. I talked to Sean Dyche, uh, talking to him about Ashley Barnes once, right? Mm-hmm. Because last season he was on fire. He was, he was going for it. I think it was last season, maybe season before. He was just scoring, scoring, scoring. That's right. Right position, mm-hmm. playing really well. So he got commissioned to go and talk to Sean Dice. Spoke to him on the phone and said, "What have you been doing? What kind of training sessions have you been doing to coach this out of him?" And Dice, as McInnes, as most of Robinson, all managers I've spoken to, they all say the same thing. It's up to the player yeah. to make himself known. Mm-hmm. So like Lewis Ferguson comes to Aberdeen and a first training session that you see it. He's got it because he's going in. He's getting stuck in straight away and uh, making himself. It's not about getting stuck in. He's playing. You know, he's controlling the game. He's dictating. He's not scared. Some players take a long time to step up. Bruce Anderson is a tidy player, but I'm led to believe that he's maybe not as committed and focused as some other footballers mm-hmm. are. Lawrence Shanklin was the same. He had to go away down the leagues before he came up. You yeah. see, and like you can't, you can give the players the platform, and you can give them the coaching sessions. I'm sure enough of I'm sure like Bruce Anderson went to Man United with the coaching staff they've got there, or Arsenal, whatever. It's a higher standard of coach. Maybe they're higher qualified, but you get more out of them because there's more. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's up to the player to kind of step up. And with McInnes, like you're talking about before, like what do I think about? I think once he goes, Aberdeen will dip, and then depending on depending on who comes in. Uh, it might go up again slowly, but it'll be a whole new team. Absolutely, it takes time. It takes time to evolve. I mean, look what Steve Clark is doing with Scotland, and that's even over a longer period of time because international football is less games, but over a longer period. Yeah, yeah. I always wonder how they do it in international football because it's so. It's such a short time. What? Turn my phone off. So that doesn't come through. <laughs> uh, I think the international football it, it comes through. Um, uh, you're going to get two weeks at most to work with them and you've only got a lead time so say you've got three days of coaching 
you know, people arrive, you talk to them, you try and bring them in, a couple of days of coaching, then there may be a rest day before, then you've got match day plus one, you've got to have a day off for that or something. I don't know how they do. I also wonder how much people think managers really, like Rangers right now, Stephen Gerrard will take a lot of plaudits for how he's assembled that team. Yeah. And he's been part of the recruitment for that, which is relevant. But Michael Beale is a guy who's done all the training ground work because mm. he's the actual coach. Yeah. Like Gerard, I'm sure, is a great technical coach because he can teach people how to ping a ball. That boy can play. And I'm sure he's a decent coach and um, he's got an authority, the same way Zidane has at Real Madrid. He's got a natural authority, charisma, and uh, you listen to what he says for Steven Gerrard and you know like, you get stuck in, you don't miss, you don't miss. Mm-hmm. And you need that. But you also need your coaching staff to put together. Same as Solskjaer at Man United, his coaching staff are the ones that are doing the coaching. It's not him. All the time, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's very different. McInnes has got a very small staff. Him, Doherty, who does the training. Um, McInnes leads sessions now and again. And then Brian, uh, uh, Brian Robson. Barry Robson. <laughs> Brian Robson. Brian Robson, that would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, um, uh, and he wasn't a bad player, Barry Robson, of course. Well, but it's the thing, like, Robson's a good technical player, but he had that exact drive that makes you a good Aberdeen player. Mm-hmm. And you look at, like, uh, the players that McInnes buys in, he buys in leaders. He tries to buy captains. Yeah. You've got Ferguson, definite captain. McCrory, not necessarily literally a captain, but, you know, they're leaders on the pitch. They're guys who step up. And, they, like, at Motherwell just down, this boy Alan Campbell, who is a natural leader. He's maybe not the most talented boy naturally, but he's worked so hard. And he spent so much time over lockdown getting himself into it that he will have a great career and he will go into bigger, better things than Motherwell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ferguson is the same mm-hmm. as long as he stays nailed down. I think he is. His family is the right place. He's got a sporting background, knows what he's doing. McCrory, great player, like straight in there. I think that's the kind of player that McInnes wants to get in. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know they're going to be exactly who they are when they come in and you can only tell once you recruit. Maybe recruitment could be better, but not every club gets every player right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the the season evolves, and I, I'd like us to win the Scottish Cup because I was I wasn't born the last time they won it in 1990. I was born the year after, so uh, you know, let's hope, fingers crossed that we win it this year. Let's talk about one of my favourite podcasts I do every week, the Totally Scottish Football Show, which includes your good okay. self, JJ. What is it like working on Totally Scottish Football Show? Just that whole Totally brand. It's 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 a great brand. I, I, the range of podcasts are on that. Simply superb. I was really excited, uh, quite uh, quite honoured when they asked me. I think the criteria was being a Scottish journalist in London. Uh, I mean, I do a lot of broadcast stuff before. I've been on TV a few times. I love doing the. I was doing the podcast for Telegraph as well. Um, and I was sat. Uh, I'm sure I can talk about this. I was supposed to be the host, but I wasn't really allowed to, from uh, because of various competing reasons from um, my employers. But it worked out really well because Slavin's obviously, I mean, he's such a good presenter um, and it's a different role. So you don't get to be quite so analytical or, or talk. But yeah, it's, really, it's a real privilege to be part of that and I love it and I make sure I treat it with the respect it deserves, always do the work. I always see folk moan about uh, football pundits or, or commentators who aren't prepared, right? Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't moan about that and not be prepared yourself. Yeah. And sometimes you get folk in certain podcasts who don't turn up, they don't you can tell they haven't done the work and it's I think it's important you respect the listener and uh, I learned I learned it from being playing music playing gigs yeah it's, it wasn't until too late I realised I shouldn't have been as drunk as I was on stage and I shouldn't have uh, <laughs> taken it for granted but people paying five pounds to come and see you I really were you always pl- were you playing in Drummonds or all these places oh, yeah. in London was I I played Drummonds about a thousand times 
Drummonds is actually the last place I went to a gig before COVID. I went to see oh, Frankly right. the Smiths and I thought they were superb. I'm a big Smiths who fan. Did you, who did you see the Smiths? Oh, the nice. Frankly the Smiths. It was a Smiths tribute band. Brilliant. Uh, I, I know all the all the bands. You ever go see the Little Kicks? They're my good pals. Yeah, yeah. That may be the feature for the show, don't they? Yeah, that's, well, that's how they got in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Slavin comes, Andrew Slavin comes across a really good presenter, doesn't he? And he's a big uh, Queen of the South fan, isn't he? If I'm correct? <laughs> yeah, that's what he tells everyone, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. Does he still rib you about the 4-3 game? <laughs> What's that, sorry? Does he oh, still rib you about that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We we are both working at BT Sport. He's working on um, different a different show as a producer. So I knew him mm. before, and then uh, it just so happened, managed to end up working together on the show. Yeah, yeah. And then you also have Laura Brannan on as well, who I I really love on as well. She she knows her stuff as well. Working with a club, a great club, a model. Yeah, she's uh, she knows her stuff. Yeah, I think it's, her background's really good. She's a producer by by trade, um, so she's a really talented producer and worked for Copa Ninety. Uh, again, I worked for them for a bit as well. Weirdly, it's all links between everyone, um, which is how uh, Finn Marks, who comes on the show, he knows Laura from working at uh, Copa Ninety. She brings something different. I, I really like having uh, Laura on because she's first of all it's a woman's voice, which I think is important. Absolutely. Because uh, I think even if you don't, it's, all, it's a big boys' club, really. But I think sometimes women just think a little bit differently in these uh, places than they might. It just it, it should be treated differently. It adds a nice dimension to it. Yeah, like like Laura is both a lady and one of the lads. Like I grew up with sisters, so I am I have no qualms about going nuts and, and having a big argument with <laughs> with Brandon, and we've had quite a few. I've heard a few of them. <laughs> Yeah. Well, she says things I don't like sometimes, but she says them from a place that I don't think is correct. And sometimes I think it's good to have an argument with that. But it's all like it's, it's never there's never animosity in it. It's it's always like it's good. Yeah. Brother yeah. slash sister arguments. Yeah. I think it makes good um, good drama. Absolutely. It's good conflict. Good drama. Conflict is the key. Conflict is the key to drama and comedy. <laughs> and, uh, Brandon's great. Yeah. yeah. And the good thing about um, uh, the good thing about coronavirus is that. Because everyone's doing their, quad, their podcasts on Zoom and clean feeding that, then um, it means Laura can be back on the show. Yeah. Because she has to move back up to, to Glasgow. Yeah. Glasgow? Glasgow. I said Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's really good. I love the the format of the show, and it's not a lot of these sort of mainstream podcasts seem to only talk about Celtic and Rangers, which I find absolutely ludicrous because I think it's more than just the two clubs in Scotland, and and it's great that totally Scottish football show has its own branch and what is a a really great series of podcasts. I mean, I mean, I listen to all the shows, and one of my heroes is is James Richardson, who's absolutely fantastic. Oh yeah, so. I mean, I've not been starstruck by anyone before, right? Really, I've met a lot of famous people in my in my line of work. However, when I was at BT Sport, James Richardson went to use the photocopier, and I was probably like, "Fuck, it's James Richardson! Oh my god!" <laughs> and uh, that was that was the first one. I remember that. I mean, there's David Ginola walking through the office, Owen Hargreaves, all the boys are there. But I remember James Richardson, and uh, I get on really well with James. I've done a few podcasts with him. I've been at the staff nights out for the Muddy Knees thing a few times. Uh, I'm not trying to show off with this. I'm I like, I am as. Uh, if anyone felt they might have felt a little bit like a small boy in a big room, that's, that's exactly how I am in these places as well. Yeah. But I think he was just nice to everyone. 
you know, you do, you, you work your dues, you, you work hard. Work your dues, is that a saying? I don't know. You, have you, I don't know, you do your dues? I don't know what his saying is. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's a really, really nice guy. He's exactly how he is off screen. He's lovely to everyone. Did you follow him during? Did you follow him during this, the Gazetta days, the Gazetta Football Italia? Oh, of course, yeah. I used to watch Gazetta all, Gazetta all the time. Every Sunday, I used to love watching um, Inter Milan when Ronaldo was there and Lazio, Christian Vieri, Diego Fuzier. I mean, uh, everyone watched that Serie A. Absolutely. Battistuta and Totti were my idols from Serie yeah. A, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I sung, I sung um, uh, Desperado was a duet with James Richardson at karaoke. <laughs> That was nuts. That's like one of those moments I'm sitting there and I'm me and Slavin where um, we had enjoyed the party uh, and, we're, and I was sitting there thinking, how have I managed this? Sitting in a little karaoke room with all these really famous people. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Ah, superb. Karaoke with James Richardson. I am envious, JJ. That is oh, unreal. Oh, yeah. No, what happened. Fantastic. Yeah. And what I also see as well is obviously you and Slavin seem to be really great pals and I noticed on Instagram recently that you guys were playing foot golf, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, we, I mean, we're really good pals. We play a lot of um, Call of Duty together. All we did until uh, he's, had his, he's had a little girl, yeah. so he's quite busy. Seen that. Rightly so. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, he's one of my close friends, so yeah. I speak to him all the time. But, but, but I mean, it's good that I think the podcast was good because it, I've gained a real friend in Slavin from that. <laughs> because I've gotten really well before, you know? Yeah. We, were, we were Facebook friends. <laughs> I don't think I have Facebook anymore. Um, but no, I do, because I've been trying to pimp things on it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, just, I'm lying. You can take that bit out. <laughs> the thing is, uh, it shows you that during lockdown that you can connect a lot more closely to people that maybe you worked with from afar for, for so long but didn't really know in too much of this company. And then obviously when lockdown strikes, then you've got to sort of adapt and rechange and, and do lots of different things. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, like, That's what I, I, I worked like, anyway. <laughs> I like working from home anyway, and I think it's given me a chance to kind of. I mean, I need a lot of. I'm sure every, everyone who does creative things is. I mean, everybody, not just creative people. Everyone's creative in their own way. But I need a lot of time and space to do nothing to come up with stuff. Yeah. So, in a way, it's quite good. In another way, it's drove my girlfriend absolutely nuts. Like she hasn't had a good. Uh, time with it, I don't think, because I'm always in the house. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not trying to do one of those, oh, the missus kind of things. I think genuinely just doesn't like it. But that's just the thing. I think some people suit it suits and some people it doesn't. Um, I, yeah, I like being at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so, like being able to do whatever I want. So when you're writing things for The Telegraph, JJ, the, how do you get inspired by these things? You, you see, you look at a lot of research from a range of different things like Football Manager. Do you Does that kind of drive your inspiration in, in many ways? I think there's a certain thing in me where I want to prove people wrong and I think I see people saying things about managers and players that I think is incorrect and then I have to have Probably myself included, I must add. (laughs) For people (laughs) are jumping in and saying, yes, the presenter's like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then I just... I don't know, I just think I see things differently sometimes. I like standing up for people who don't have a... I always say pylons, I hate social media, I hate... People being part of this mass kind of little witch hunt that happens all the time, and people getting called out. And I'm sure there are things that were part of it in the past, and you, you learn from experiences, and you get older, you get a bit wiser, and learn that people have feelings all over the place, even the older people and the ones who are dead famous. And uh, I, yeah, I think it's part of that. I think also I just I love football, and I love it to be talked about the correct way. And I think I like spotting 
talent, I like spotting potential and things that people haven't seen yet, identifying it and uh, like talking about it. I don't know really. The inspiration for it comes like you'll see something. A lot of the inspiration comes because an editor has told you to write it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, because I because I I work in science, and one of the things I always do is I like reading a lot of articles online. But also, what I love doing is actually watching a lot of YouTube clips of All just right. random things, and then I'll just I'll just sort of note things down, or just listen to maybe some Attenborough or whatever, and you know that yeah. sort of spares my imagination. But you know, you know. What part of science do you work in? Well, I, I work in the marine world at the moment, uh, so I work in Dear maritime you. science. So, so That's for now. Is it like a lot of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Save the oceans type stuff? So I'm, I'm doing a lot of planning stuff at the moment, more so. But we look at that sort of stuff. Plastics and a range of different things. Oil and gas. Uh, environmental degradation, that sort of thing. So it's, it's oh, a decent job. Too. But I also work in earth sciences as well. So I do a, I do a mix of both things. Well, what was your, um, are you, are you doctorate? So I, I'm a doctorate, so I, I graduated from Cranfield University in 2019. Um, so I, I did oh, a lot of modelling and mathematical models. So I, I, I map uh, a range of things using loads of mathematical tools and things like that. So it's quite quite complex stuff, but it's actually got some quite cool results. At least I hope That's it does. Cool. Yeah. Like, a, like aquatic biology or chemistry. Or well, it's it's it's. I like to say myself as an as a earth scientist is the phrase I yeah. use. So, yeah. Right. Anyway, we're digressing. <laughs> You're asking me the questions for a change. Oh, that's more interesting to me by far. That's yeah. really cool. I've listened to that for ages. Yeah. No. Well, I don't, I can assure you, I've not had many exciting things in my time. But I just love football like you do. So uh, that's really interesting. Um, JJ, we're just about coming to the end, and I'm sure you are desperate to go and get something to eat, which is fantastic. So, but thanks to for coming on the show. My question to you, kind of moving forward, is where does the future hold for yourself? Because a lot of stuff going on at the moment, and it's going really well. Um, I think I don't know. I'm not sure actually. I like what I do. I, I love my job. Like I'm really uh, happy with what I'm doing. At some point, I think it's important to do something new. I'm not sure what that'll be. I get because I said earlier, I get bored of things quite quickly. I like trying new things. I made a, I always wanted to make a, a cartoon, like mm -hmm. a South Park style one. I did that. It's on my Fitbalapa YouTube channel. It's called I Want to Work in a Shop, and uh, that took a year and a half. And that is one of the most. If anyone's ever used like Logic, Final Cut, or Photoshop and After Effects, they will understand how long that took and how difficult it was. I mean, the writing process alone was so complicated. So that's one thing I like doing. I like something like that. We got a cartoon strip. I'm going to start. I always used to love Calvin and Hobbes, so I'm going to do something like that. Uh, I've got a band on the go. We've got some. I think I think some really good songs. I like playing loud kind of guitar. Rock music. Well, I remember. I remember one of the totally Scottish football shows. Was it the awards one? You were on your sort of. Uh, was it your keyboard or? or keyboard, yeah, I love yeah. my keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he's off to find his keyboard. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is absolutely brilliant. Honestly, this will be really good. As he rambles about. <laughs> I love this thing, man. It's the best. I forgot I had it, yeah. You only played two, this is it. <laughs> Brilliant. I've used, that, I've used that on albums, I've used that on YouTube videos. Like, the, I mean, on the Graham Shinney song that I did, um, yeah. and the Aberdeen Cup final song, it's on there. It's got a really nice sound in the background, you can't, I mean... <laughs> Nice. 
nice. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, got, I, I just I remember you, you reminded me I had it. So I got yeah. It. Yeah. And of course you you'll you'll still be able to uh, continue your love affair with Andrew Considine, which you always seem to talk about <laughs> on Totally Scottish People Show. Yeah, I hope he knows this is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you're doing not so great on the fantasy football? <laughs> no, I'm just awful at that. No, I'm just awful at that as well, so don't worry about it. <laughs> well, the thing with football, I think, is like, I can tell you why something's happened and why it might happen again, or who should win because this might happen, but I cannot tell you what will actually happen because I'm wrong every time. Hmm. Can't predict anything. So yeah, in terms of whatever's new, I think you'll get lots more football articles from me. I'd love to do more coverage of Scottish Premiership stuff, because I think it's great, but I don't know. There's something new to be had. I'm trying to work out what the next thing is. Yeah. Match reports are done. No, no one needs match reports anymore. You know? Yeah. Now and again, they're useful, but there's be something new. I'm trying to find out what that is. Yeah. Something, yeah. something to do with data, something to do with analysis we'll see we'll yeah see. well it's very very exciting stuff and uh, as if you're ever back up in the northeast of scotland and you fancy a, a glen geary then please send me a message because i always oh, so absolutely fantastic gg bull thank you very much for coming on campbell's footballs to share your fabulous stories <laughs> thanks for having me man that's great Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, or Instagram, or other social media channels. But until then, until next time... I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's footballs. What a dangerous night.